This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. This is Emily, and I'll be your host this week. You are listening to episode 25. This week, I have the privilege of talking to my friend, Emily Hinton. We hear about her and her family's journey recovering from the devastating injury of her four-month-old daughter while at daycare. Sweet Elena had a non-accidental brain injury while at daycare that left her clinging to life and forever changed. Emily walked through this time with such bravery and grace, all while writing about it on her blog as her personal journal of sorts. Today, she shares that journey and talks about how Elena's injury changed the course of her life, what forgiveness has done for her, and how she has always found a way to find a small amount of hope. Emily and I both believe that sharing our stories can be a source of hope and a testament to faith. I am thankful for Emily for sharing her story, and I know you will enjoy it. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. Today we're talking to Emily Hinton, and we've known each other since college. Yep. Yes, we both went to IU together. Yes. Both were Pi Fi. Yes, sorority sisters. <laughs> yes, it was a good time. But um, we wanted to talk to Emily because she has walked through some very hard places, and uh, I have been so inspired and encouraged by her bravery and how she's just found light in dark places. So thank you for coming on, Emily. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're going to make me cry already. Jeez. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. So I'm Emily and um, I am married to Chad. We've been married for about 10 years and I have three kids. I have Elena, who's eight, and then Calvin is five and Turner is three. And I stay at home and that's... The big hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So how was your morning? Busy? You busy. Getting, getting kids out the door. Yep. Yes. yes. Chasing everybody down, packing bags and lunches. Yep. You know, you yep. know the drill. Got to take a deep breath. Oh, yeah. After the quiet. Yes. <laughs> like, Savor it. Oh. Soak it in. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, I just want to jump back to 2011. I'm assuming pre-kids. Mm-hmm. Um. Who were you then? How would you describe yourself? Um, How would you describe your marriage, your job? Just give us a little picture about where you were at. Sure. Um, Like most 20-somethings, I was in my 20s, um, I would say totally naive, as most 20-somethings are. Uh, As a result of that naivete, I was carefree. I was truly happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, No no idea what... uh, the meaning of life was or any of that. My whole life was ahead of me. Uh, we, I was a newly married uh, woman and Chad and I shared a lot of hopes and dreams and were hopeful about what our future would be. I, at the time, was working. I worked in politics, which was exciting and always changing. I loved my job. I loved what I did. Uh, it was just a really fulfilling time of my life we had so much to look forward to. 
Yeah. Paint a picture of what you thought, like your, your dreams, like you and Chad dreamed. What would, what did that look like? Yeah. So we just wanted to have kids, you know, we wanted to live in the white brick house in our favorite neighborhood and raise our kids and go to walk our kids to the local school we love to travel. We, uh, we love to go visit friends and just be with, be with people, you know, just like the typical mm-hmm. American dream. Yeah, you get simple, married, you settle, you have kids. Simple and easy, Simple right? and easy. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> nothing to be tested for sure. That's right. That's right. So you got pregnant, you had, a, had Elena. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you feel walking into that season? Ill-equipped. <laughs> Uh, it was hard, man. I, I thought it was going to be rainbows and butterflies when you lay your eyes on your firstborn at that very first moment and Mm -hmm. like love just like fills the air. And there was some of that, but also being a new mom is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And I learned that really, really fast. Um, I would say describe it as like going from a hundred miles an hour to like zero. So like you have your life as you know it, and then it stops and you are given new responsibility. You have a new role, you have a new title, Mm -hmm. you have a new life that you had to care for. And it's just really terrifying. Um, I would say I was super vulnerable, you know, Mm -hmm. as all new moms are, there's so much to get used to and so much that's terrifying, but also joyful at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, um, in hindsight, you know, that's looking back, that's a, that's a big regret in my life. Um, you can't regret how you feel at times, but just knowing what I know now, um, that's, it's a time period that I really regret, um, the most. It was not enjoying it and Mm -hmm. accepting it and just stepping into it with confidence. Hmm. I think it's a really hard place to, soak in and enjoy, mm-hmm. especially because it's filled with fear and uncertainty mm-hmm. and you're questioning yourself and your abilities. And so I, I feel you. I mean, I, I think about that all the time. Like if I could just go back to yes. having just a newborn and just hang enjoy out. it, <laughs> they nap all the time. Why was this so hard, Emily? Yes. That's totally how I felt. Totally yeah. how I felt for sure. So you we're going back to work Mm -hmm. in politics Mm -hmm. and, um, Elena was going to daycare. Tell me about your feelings. Like just about all that. Like, how did you feel about the daycare place? Um, how did you feel about dropping off Elena? You know, it's a really hard day that Mm -hmm. day and time and season of getting used to trusting somebody else to take take care of your most precious child. It was hard, um, as all those drop first drop offs are, Mm -hmm. but you know, we had really done our research. Mm -hmm. I felt very comfortable with the situation that we had set up for Elena. Um, she was with a mom who had been a nanny for years and years and had a child of her own and Mm -hmm. wanted to take care of one or two children in addition to her own in her home. And, you know, she was qualified and she had ideas about parenting that I was like, sign me up. She's like mom of the year. Mm. I just felt so comfortable. Uh, you know, and part of that is being naive as well and, and not knowing all of the things that can happen and just being a new mom and Mm -hmm. trying to embrace that. And, uh, but I was excited. I, you know, I was ready to get back to routine Mm -hmm. and, 
uh, some semblance of normalcy. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. So you sent Elena to daycare, you went back to work and then tell me about the timeline after that. Um, how long was Elena? Like how long were you back to work before everything happened? So I had been back to work for just a month. A um, month. Okay. She had been in care for 20 days. 20 uh, days. 20 times. Okay. I dropped her off. Um, okay. And then you received like an earth shattering phone mm-hmm. call. So take it from there. What happened? Yeah. I got the call that every parent fears. Mm-hmm. Um, Elena was rushed to the hospital. And I was at work, so I uh, arrived at the hospital not knowing why. And it wasn't until um, a neurosurgeon, which I thought was odd, sat Mm -hmm. us down in this tiny room after probably about an hour and a half of being in the ER with her, not knowing what was going on. I didn't know when I got to the hospital if she was going to be alive or dead. And the neurosurgeon sat Chad and I down and told us that Elena was on the verge of death and she had to perform a emergency uh, surgery on Elena's skull because Elena had suffered a brain injury and they needed to reduce the swelling in her brain. And at the uttering of the word brain injury, you know, a bomb exploded mm-hmm. and our the bottom of our world just fell out and we had no idea what they were talking about. We were so confused. We didn't know what was happening. Uh, it was just literally your worst nightmare, just your worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Anger, guilt, sadness, the loss of dreams, expectations, all in one like swoop moment, just a tornado, right? Just mm-hmm. sweeping through. Yep. What do you remember most about those first days, hours? So the first few days were by far the worst. Elena was literally, it was, is she going to live? Is she going to die? We had no idea. We had no idea what had happened. We had no answers. We had no information. Uh, It was such a confusing time. We had... um, interviews with police. We were dealing with DCS. We were dealing with neurosurgeons and doctors and social workers. And we, we just, it was a whole new world for us. We had no idea what was going on and what was happening. And unfortunately in those early days, we became the target of, um, the who quote unquote, who done it. Um, so we were dealing with that trauma of being accused of, uh, nearly, killing your own child and the fact that Elena was clinging to life and it was, it was a tornado. That's a great way of putting it. It was, we didn't know which way was up. We didn't know which way was down. Uh, we were just literally living minute by minute, moment by moment, decision by decision. Why did they think that you had any involvement in it? Well, the babysitter had, um, denied it and, we obviously had denied it. And so I, I, we don't know, honestly, to this day, Yeah. but I presume that since Elena would be in our care, they just targeted us 
And that in itself was traumatic Mm -hmm. um, as a first time mom and as a human being (laughs) in general. Uh, Yeah. So it was, it was horrific. I don't think I've ever like felt more empty than in those first few days. Did you guys ever find out what happened? Was there ever like a clear answer? No. No, to this day, you know, eight years later, you'd think that we would have some shape of what had happened. Uh, we have like some rough, we knew like she had no pulse. We knew that she was not breathing whenever, Mm -hmm. uh, the EMTs got there. And that's really all we know. We don't know. Hmm. We have no answer. We have a million questions and yeah, yeah, no answers. Huh? That blows my mind. I mean, I just being able, I know that it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But just the question of, what transpired, Mm -hmm. you know, has to rack your brain in those moments of like, I don't understand. Well, and there were a lot of moments where we blamed ourselves. Like we were like, was it something that we did? Did Mm. we, did I like set her in her crib too hard? You know? So then you, you play that game, the head games Mm. and the mind games. And you're right though. I mean, from my, I came to the resolution that the answers don't matter. It's not going to change anything. We, we we're dealt what we were dealt and, there's no sense in, in worrying about the, what happened. You have to just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. So after knowing for sure, and this probably was a little while, um, but after knowing for sure that this accident probably wouldn't take Elena from you, that, mm-hmm. you know, she was going to be with you. What were your biggest fears for Elena and for yourself? I think it was like, everything was fear. We had yeah. no idea. We, we're given a new baby. You know, I dropped Elena off that morning and essentially she died Mm -hmm. and we were given a new baby. Uh, she lived obviously, but she was different in every sense of the word. Uh, She didn't look at us anymore. She didn't smile anymore. She cried all the time. She was rigid. She couldn't eat. So we had no idea what our life was going to look like and nobody would tell us what our life was going to look like. The doctors were purposely vague Mm -hmm. and that was comforting, but also terrifying because Mm -hmm. we just, we walked out of Riley not having any idea what our life was going to look like. And we were thrown into a world that we knew nothing about therapy and doctors and disabilities. And we just, we had no idea, no idea what we were facing. In a lot of ways we were, it was like we were new parents, but in a reality that we couldn't wrap our heads around. Mm -hmm. Explain where Elena was when you left the hospital, just health wise, Mm -hmm. just what was she dealing with? Um, what were the changes? Yeah. So she was stable medically, but also it was terrifying because we didn't know what had happened to Mm -hmm. her. So a part of us was like, well, was it actually something natural that happened? Could it happen again? Are we need to handle her with kid gloves? It, that part of it was a lot of fear wrapped up in that, but also, you know, she was just a different kid. She threw up like three times a day. Um, she had to have a G tube uh, put in because she couldn't take things by mouth. So we had to learn how to feed her via a G tube. When she was awake, she was entirely irritable, just screaming bloody murder. So our job was to just try and keep her asleep as 
as long as we could. When she was awake, it was just miserable for everybody. She was rigid. She wouldn't look at us. Uh, She was smiling and cooing before. She didn't do any of that. So it was kind of like she was a newborn, Mm -hmm. a colicky, horribly fussy newborn. Mm -hmm. And she was... She was four months old. Four months old? Yeah. Okay. How long was she in Riley? She was in Riley for a total of 20 days. Okay. So during that time where like things were all new and you were adjusting to a completely new reality, how did it feel like having a lot of eyes on you? I guess you could say like everybody was so concerned, I'm sure, but you don't even know like what's going on. Right. I, I, I just have to imagine it just felt really, um, hard in that way. I mean, obviously a lot of other things were hard, but just having everyone watching you or did you feel just supported? I think it was a combination of both. Um, there was definitely an element of, we knew we were being watched in like a good way and Mm -hmm. in a bad way because we were under a lot of, um, pressure and stress from our accusers. And so we knew people were watching us in that sense. Like when you say accusers, you mean like DCS? Yes. Okay. DCS. Um, so they were still coming to visit and stuff like that. They were in our home for 14 months after Elena was injured. So we were in that nightmare for 14 months after we came home in our house every week. So that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. But also I think we, we felt more of a comfort and love and Mm -hmm. there was definitely an inexplicable gratitude during that time. You know, yes, we were given a terrible tragedy and horrible circumstances, but Elena was alive. We had our daughter and we were still a family and we were surrounded by friends and family and strangers and community. And that in itself was so much comfort. Yes. It, we were vo- totally vulnerable and we were trying to figure out what to share and what not to share. But you know, during times like that, you, it's impossible to not see the beauty of people and their goodness and kindness and thoughtfulness. And we experienced so much of that during that time. And you started a blog. I did. And, um, it's called our shining light is the name of your blog. Um, tell me how that came about why you started writing or kept writing, what kept you writing? Sure. So it started out as a caring bridge in the hospital. Um, we had so many people that were showing up every day and people across the country and world that were somehow following Elena's story. And this was the time before like Facebook. Mm -hmm. Well, Facebook was there, but it wasn't like it is now. And so we used a caring bridge and I used that for about eight or nine months after everything had happened and people were just like dying for more pictures and more information. And so that's when I kind of transitioned it to a blog. And that's also kind of when it became my journal of Mm -hmm. sorts. Um, if you read the blog, it's like my thoughts and just the healing process in itself. And, you know, it started as a way to keep people informed about what was going on with Elena and how people could pray for Elena and, and what we were dealing with. And then it's kind of morphed into, uh, more about me. Sorry, Elena. Um, (laughs) it's just been my journey of healing and walking through a terribly painful time in my life. So Elena is eight. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned about Elena? A lot. Um, but where is she in terms of 
where do you think, how do you think she sees the world and what is her day to day now? Elena is nonverbal, so it is difficult to really gauge, uh, what, how she feels. We, we don't know how she feels. We have an idea of what she feels. We do know that she is much more in there than what she is able to communicate Mm -hmm. just in a way that a mom knows that, you know, and she is just, she's just a joy, man. She is like the happiest kid. I laugh all the time. Like she's my easiest kid (laughs) because she just is so amenable and she's so content. She goes with the flow. She loves being around people and Mm -hmm. that is such a source of joy for her and in turn is a source of joy for us. And I think that is why she is our shining light. She is such a special, unique person because people are so attracted to her. They are so attracted to her light and what she gives off and the joy that she brings to people. Hey guys, hopping in here to talk about our sponsor this week. We are sponsored by HelloFresh. Get mouth-watering seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh's recipes are so delicious. Break out of your dinner rut with HelloFresh's 22 plus seasonal chef curated recipes each week. There's something for everyone. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and prepping so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. HelloFresh can help you eat more sustainably. HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable or already recycled content. We had the veggie and couscous dish and it was perfect for our family. We added the cheese for the kids and my husband and I left it off. Super flexible and just what works for us. Go to HelloFresh.com backslash Illuminate 10 and use code Illuminate 10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. So go to HelloFresh.com backslash Illuminate 10 and use code Illuminate 10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. So in your blog, I I know that you asked for stories of the way that Elena's story had affected others. Mm-hmm. I I would love to hear some of those stories or yeah. any of your favorites. Yeah. Well, you know, I had written this blog for years and it had never occurred to me to ask anybody outside of Chad, like what that day was like for mm. other people in our family. Um, and I think looking back, it was, I was too afraid. Like mm. I could handle what I felt that day mm. and I could remember my experience, but to hear it from somebody else or to hear the pain that someone else went through, I think was really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. And just over the years, people have been so loving and open, I think in return to what I've put out there Mm -hmm. that it's so refreshing to, to hear that. And it's, it's brought, brought comfort to me in the way that, you know, people care, people care about her, people care about me. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, your child who has severe disabilities and can't talk is changing somebody's life or at giving them just a source of inspiration is, I mean, that's what you want as a mom, right? Mm-hmm. You want your kid to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And for eight years, Elena has been able to make a difference in people's lives. And to me, that is just, it's such a privilege. It's so rewarding to watch. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So in those days, let's go back. And I just want to hear about, you talk about community and uh, the support that you had in those first days, weeks. Could you share, just there's listeners that have friends and family members that will go through trauma and devastating events. And sometimes I think we all feel a little bit paralyzed. We want to convey Mm -hmm. that, Hey, we're here for you and we want to love on you and support you. And I don't know what to do. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Could you even just share like three things that you were like, Hey, these three tangible things really helped us in those first days, weeks, months, year. (laughs) I think initially, you know, it's like, people make fun of like thoughts and prayers, but I think thoughts and prayers go so much further than people give it credit for. Just knowing that people are thinking about you and thinking about your daughter and thinking about what you're going through and praying for you is just such a comfort, you mm-hmm. know, whether you, it's your best friend or whether it's a stranger or some, you know, vague friend from high school, just mm-hmm. knowing that, that you matter and oh, yeah. that your story is, is touching somebody. I think is brings comfort to a lot of people. So I always tell people, even if you feel awkward, just reach out and say, I'm thinking about you or I, you know, sending hugs or prayers or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's so helpful. Uh, we had a lot of meals too, which I think is helpful always, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of circumstance you're going to just taking something off somebody's list. But we also got a lot of like random gestures that you know, people would just leave like cupcakes on our front door and not, not put their name or anything on it. And I think just doing like a random gesture, if you're thinking about somebody is, you know, it kind of touches your heart. Like, Oh, somebody's, you know, somebody's remembering me or I've had the worst day and it just happened to come on the worst day that Mm -hmm. that act of kindness happened. And then I think just listening, like being a good listener, whether that is physically sitting and listening to somebody, you know, pour out their heart to you, or if it's listening to what their unspoken need may be. Mm -hmm. We had so many people who just kind of sensed that we needed something and it, it just always happened at like the perfect time. And I think there's, there's real value in, in trying to be a good listener and, uh, using that to comfort somebody in a time of need. Yeah. So even if it feels awkward, um, sometimes I do have the push to like, Oh, I could bring them coffee. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. do it. <laughs> just do it. And you don't even have to make a big deal. Just yeah. like sit, leave it on their front doorstep and say, Hey, I left you coffee. Yeah. Like throw don't it away or like, drink it. Right, Whatever. Right. Yeah. Did I get the right kind? Yeah. I, no, no, no. Just, just do. I think in yeah. when all else fails, just do. And people will respond to that. Mm-hmm. So healing and grief are both really lifelong, but tell me some of the most healing experiences that you've had in this journey. So the most healing thing I experienced personally was forgiveness. Um, I ended up probably about three years, three or four years after Elena's injury. Um, I ended up forgiving the babysitter, even though we, we still had no answers. We had had no information. It was a necessary part of the process for me. Um, and I didn't, the odd thing was I didn't realize that I needed to do it. Uh, it just kind of happened. Um, it was kind of like an internal transaction that mm. I didn't know that I harbored such anger and bitter- bitterness towards her. You know, it was, it was never about her. It was never about the babysitter. It was always about Elena. And so in my mind and in my heart, I just kind of put her on the back burner and just moved forward with mm. Elena. I didn't want to wow. make it about 
the babysitter and what she did. And I didn't want to give her that power. And so when I realized I kind of had forgiven her before I even realized that it needed to happen. And it was difficult. It was emotional. Mm -hmm. I, you know, part of me feared telling Chad Mm -hmm. because I didn't know how he would react and if he would be angry with me, but you know, it's forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a critical thing in humanity. You cannot move forward. You cannot be a whole person. If you harbor bitterness and resentment and anger towards people, it is a horrific seed that plants in your heart and it spreads into other areas of your life. And I just came to the realization that it had done that without me knowing when I forgave the babysitter, it was immediate. Like all of that was gone and it was remarkable and it was the most emotional and spiritual and, um, powerful thing I've ever done. And it was just, it just needed, it was necessary. It was just necessary for me, you know? And since then I've, since that moment that I forgave her, the growth within me and the change in my heart and my mindset has, has been life-changing. It's, it's given me such unbelievable perspective and, you know, pride. I, I feel proud of myself that, that I was able to do that. And I feel proud that that's something that I can remember and for carry with me for the rest of my life and into other areas where people need forgiveness in my life. I mean, everybody needs forgiveness, no matter whether you did the worst thing in the world or, Mm -hmm. you know, the simplest of things, everybody needs forgiveness. And it's, it's so powerful to give that to people. It's powerful for you, Mm -hmm. whether it affected her or not. I have no idea. Um, but that didn't matter. It was about me. Mm -hmm. Did you talk to her about it? Or I, or I did not did talk to her about it. You I did it inside, the but okay. I felt like I needed to tell her. So I, I actually wrote her a letter. Okay. Um, I don't know if she ever received it. I mm-hmm. don't know if it, she threw it away. Right. I don't know anything. But for me, that wasn't the point. You know, forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's about what you're yeah. doing internally within yourself. For sure. And that's what it was for me. Can you believe, and I know you can't because I'm sure you've thought through this, this is going to make me cry. How powerful that is going to be to tell your kids like that you've been able to do that. I mean, they see Elena, they growing up with Elena, their, their sister who they love and they are going to know in and out the way that this story happened by the time they're adults, you know, and just to know that you, that you can lead them that way, mm-hmm. that, that you can show that example to them that forgiveness is possible anytime and it is always worth it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, it's a powerful lesson for yeah. everybody. It's a powerful lesson to me still, mm-hmm. you know, in my everyday life. And yes, you know, it is, it is a source of fear to be able to have to tell our boys what happened to their sister someday. Mm-hmm. And to know that there is, you know, not an ideal ending to the story, but there is a good part of the story and there is a happy ending to the story. And I think it's just for my boys, for Chad, for me, for anybody who, who sees forgiveness 
happen. I just think that there's so much power in that. And I think there's so much realization in what a person can achieve when you, when you see that, whether it's me or, you know, all the beautiful acts of forgiveness that you see in the media or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think, I think all of it is powerful and I think it's all meaningful. So the other really healing thing for me was when I actually recognized grief for the first time. Um, I think people think that like grief is something happens when somebody dies or, um, you lose something. And I probably was going through the, I don't know, circle of grief or whatever it's called, the the symptoms of grief for about a year before I actually realized that I was actually grieving. I just was feeling all of these things. And a friend, um, a friend said to me, she was like, Emily, you're, you're grieving the like loss of the expectation for your life and for your daughter. Mm -hmm. And that I was, I was stunned like to finally have a word for what I was feeling Mm -hmm. just opened up the possibilities. And I feel like that really started a healing process Mm -hmm. for me, just knowing that it was okay. And that I had a word for what I was feeling and that I had tools to, to navigate that I think was really powerful. Um, you know, grief is just like a, a really scary thing and it's, you can feel dark and alone and just knowing that I had to embrace that and walk through that mm-hmm. process. I think that was the start of it and it was incredibly helpful, incredibly mm-hmm. helpful. Did you, or do you do, would you recommend or did you do therapy throughout this process? I would totally recommend therapy. I did not do therapy and like Five years after the fact, I was like, Emily, you're an idiot. Why didn't you do, why were you not in therapy? But my therapy was really, I'm like a super emotional person and I'm a super like introspective person. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of like soul searching, man. I was not afraid to, to go in and go deep and think about things and dive in and dissect Mm -hmm. them. And I think if you're not that type of person, it's really dangerous to not do therapy because I think that's kind of what therapy does. Right. But I, through my writing and through my faith and just through my personality, Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I could have navigated it maybe a little faster through therapy, but, um, yeah, it's, you got to do it. You got to embrace it. You got to dive in for sure. So in your twenties, this devastating thing happens. You're now in your thirties. How has that shift in perspective changed you and your life? Uh, it's changed everything. Uh, I am no longer a naive 20 year old. I am a well-seasoned 35 year old. And, uh, you know, I just think at the most basic level, I realized the fragility of life, Mm -hmm. you know, in an instant, my world changed and my daughter almost died. And when you walk that line of life and death, you realize that everything can change in an instant and to not be grateful and see the opportunity and the blessing in every single day to learn that lesson at 27, you know, I think is, was such a gift. Mm. It was such a gift. And I learned what actually matters. You know, everything in my life was ripped away from me. Mm -hmm. And in that moment you realize like literally the only thing that matters are your relationships Mm -hmm. For me, it was my faith Mm -hmm. and my family and friends. And outside of that, 
nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what you wear, how you look, what you have, you know, none of that is meaningful and none of that gets you anywhere in Mm -hmm. life. Um, I think I also learned how much growth a person can go through, uh, Mm. in these seasons, you know, everybody fears the pain, right? Everybody fears the tragedy and yes, they are horrible. I will be the first to admit, you know, it is miserable, but it ends. And what you gain when you walk through that and what you can grow and what perspective you can gain through that, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't put, you can't put that experience on any kind of pedestal. I mean, it just seeing the change in myself, I think is, has been really eye opening. That's amazing. And also I'm just so inspired by your ability to find those, those moments and bits of light that Mm -hmm. carry you through, um, that have encouraged you that there has been goodness out of this awful, Mm -hmm. awful tragedy. It's called hope. (laughs) It's beautiful. It is. And you have to, you have to find the hope in the darkest of darkest, dark days I ever experienced. There was always, even if it was like a prick, a prick of hope, a prick of light, something, Mm -hmm. you just, you hang on to it and you hold it with a death grip and you ride it out. Yeah. So how is caring for Elena, loving Elena, dreaming for Elena, providing a future for her refined you? You've talked about how it's, you've grown from it. Um, How has it shaped you? I mean, what, what parts of you have you seen? just flourish what parts of you have you seen chipped off that were you were grateful to see go Mm -hmm. I think most of all it's humbled me Uh, it's humbled me in like a million different ways Um, you know we talk about we're talking about me today we're talking about the what I went through and the pain and the tragedy of that but every day I remind myself no matter what I have endured it's her life (laughs) and what I have endured is like a grain of sand compared to the challenges that she faces and overcomes every single day. And I think that in itself is just grounds you. And Mm -hmm. my life is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's challenging, but I don't, I don't face what she faces. Mm -hmm. I don't have the same future that Elena has. And I think that has really been something that has taught me that there's millions of people like that. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a privilege to live the life that I live. And I think that's, that's been really critical. Um, I think too, it's given me a role that if you would have said, Emily, you're going to be the mom of a special needs child someday. I would have been like, um, no, like I can't do that. That is impossible. That is too hard. It's too challenging. I'm not cut for that. And I think being able to recognize that it doesn't matter what role you're given, it's believing that you're going to be equipped to be able to step into that role and just doing it one step at a time and trusting that you can do it. Mm -hmm. I think that has been something that's been really empowering and you know, that, that can carry over into other areas of my life and, and roles that are scary that you just trust and you follow. Right. Right. I was going to ask, have you seen these skills that you've developed by, um, the past eight years with Elena and growing your family as well. Um, just raising three kids. 
but especially raising three kids with a special needs child and just the pain that has come with walking through that and watching her, how have you seen those skills be used in other parts of your life? Yeah, I think it's the biggest gift is just the gift of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see things in a different light. You see how things should be. You see what's important and what matters and being able to see that, then you can give that. I can give that to my boys and Mm -hmm. I can, I can give that to my friends and I can give that to my husband. And that's a gift that you can continually give throughout my life Mm -hmm. and the grit and determination. Yeah. I mean, I was not strong for a long, long time. People used to be like, Emily, you're so strong. I don't know how you do it. And I would be like, you're an idiot. I I am the weakest. I cannot, I cannot do anything. And now having walked through that, there is a strength now Mm -hmm. that has come out of that weakness. And for me, that's reflected in fear. I just don't let fear play a role in my life. I mean, it does in some way, shape or form, but I don't let it, I don't let it overcome me. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's been a big thing. You know, when you've walked through like the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to you, like what else do you have to fear? Mm -hmm. I've done it once. I've walked through it. I'm broken or I'm sorry. I'm not broken. I'm battered, but I'm not broken. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I've done that once, you know, I don't want anything else to happen. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, no. But I know that I can. Yeah. That confidence. Yeah. That confidence. And yeah, I, I love I, I would love to be able to instill that in my kids. And yeah, resilience is such an underrated human quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be able to come back from things. Yeah. If, if you expect that life is going to be, you know, one big giant plateau, you're like super sorely mistaken. And you probably have like a huge precipice, like yeah. right in it's front going. of you that's going. <laughs> and you just have to be prepared for that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's been such a joy to talk to you. I, I really loved hearing about forgiveness. It's, it's super inspiring. I wanted to know if there was somebody that you or someone or something, um, that you would like to illuminate. I do. I have a very good friend. Uh, her name's Amanda Clark and she is such an inspiration to me. She runs a not-for-profit called cocktails and chemo. And about five years ago, Amanda uh, lost her husband, who was 30 at the time, to Mm -hmm. colon cancer. And they had a 10-month-old baby at the time. And they started this foundation together. And it's a foundation for caregivers of chronically ill people or, in this case, um, special needs. Or, in my case, special needs uh, parents. She's done events for that. And I think being able to identify a need in the middle of your tragedy Mm -hmm. and to be able to take that on, she is such an inspiration in resilience and impact. And they are making such uh, a difference in the lives of caregivers, which is a really, really hard job. Uh, Caring for somebody who is, I mean, it's always, it's, it's always, and especially, uh, a lot of their, um, a lot of their recipients are, you know, families that are going through cancer. A parent has cancer and the mom's, you know, running everything. And I, you know, that I can't imagine mm-hmm. how, how difficult that is. So being able to shine a light on people that are not in the spotlight, yeah. I think is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
So if you had one message to send to the world, and I know it's a big question, mm-hmm. but I think it's really inspiring to hear. What would you, what would you share with the world? What would your message be? I think, um, staying on theme here, I think being a light or seeking a light, if you're in a position in your life to be a light to somebody, be that light. If you are not in a position and you need a light, mm-hmm. seek it out. You know, we there is so much beauty and community and connection when people share stories of pain and it has been such a blessing to me to be able to share my story and think that it could help one person who's going through a really hard time find their way or find that inspiration to get through to the next day. And I love that Elena is a, is that light Mm -hmm. for people. I love that she can, she can be that her name. That's how our shining light started was Elena's name means our shining light. And it just reigns true to be able to be a light, shine your light. And when you need to seek it out, What a joy, really, being able to sit down with Emily and hear such strength and wisdom. Thank you so much, Emily, for sharing your family's journey with such a beautiful words to describe how you have come through that time stronger, with a clearer perspective on what's important in life, and found goodness and hope along the way. I will forever keep your words on forgiveness with me. If you can find forgiveness, I can find it in all things as well. And we'll always keep the reminder that forgiveness sets you free, that it's not for the other person. It's for your healing, happiness, and growth. You can keep up with the Hintons on Emily's blog. Thank you again, Emily, for your vulnerability and for sharing a little bit of that joy that Elena has with us today. Friends, if you were inspired by Emily's words today, share it with a friend. Be that light that Emily talked about. Thanks for joining us this week, and we will see you next Wednesday. Thank you.